Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Book of Revelation, this is session 56, the fifth trumpet. And uh, I'll just give you a little warning. Uh, Well, first, notes are coming around, uh, and then also for those who are joining online, or if you're in the room and would just rather access digitally, there, these uh, notes are also available on our website on the resource tab. Just go to recent teachings and then you can uh, download tonight's notes. But here's a little um, interesting you know, warning. As I was originally planning, I, I don't know if you guys remember, a few weeks ago we did the first four trumpets. We did one, two, three, four. And we did them all in one session. And originally I was planning to do the last three, five, six, seven, in one session. But as I just started to look at the amount of information and the notes just kept piling up, I was like, this is, it's going to be mean to hand out a 30-page <laughs> handout. This is not, I was like, let's just go a little slower, take our time, and, and, uh, and, and we'll get there. And so at this point, I want to give you a couple of reasons why, uh, but I'll skip to the what. At this point, we're going to do one whole session on Trumpet 5, a se- uh, second session, on trumpet six, and then a third session on trumpet seven. And here's the reason, just if you kind of want to get down to it. Most of the 21 judgments, remember, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls of wrath. Most of the 21 judgments, there is a verse, two, or three. Most of them, if it's got three verses, that's kind of a big deal. These have got 12, nine, and like five. I mean, there's a bunch of verses and really the one that's five, I don't know where the guys that were putting in the numbers for the, that should have been like eight or nine verses easy. There's a lot of words in there. But anyway, uh, most of the time we're given this much information about one of the judgments, but each one of these three, uh, trumpet five, six, and seven, there's a lot of information. And I think that it would be um, uh, cheating the, the process here of we're trying to go slow and understand what we're reading and, and really get it, I think it would also not be proportionate to what is written to just throw all three of them in one and, and try to get, you know, two and a half chapters worth of information in one session. Uh, so, so that's really my reasoning there, okay? One of the things I want to tell you here is we're getting another giant upgrade. You remember how I told you that the, when we go into the trumpets, from the seals, there was a big upgrade. Now it's all supernatural, crazy stuff. Well, even when we go from trumpet one, two, three, four, which we've done, now we're going to trumpet five, six, seven. There's another giant upgrade. And these are unprecedented events in a very different way. I'll give you it from this angle. When we went through the first four trumpets, those judgments were supernatural and horrific, but they were general. Those judgments were touching the planet in, in, uh, in ways that were terrible and very, very difficult, but everybody on the planet was going to be impacted by these things. These, these uh, last three trumpets, trumpet five, six, and seven, very different scenario. These are aimed directly at the Antichrist kingdom. These three judgments are aimed directly at dealing with those that have taken the mark of the beast and, and, uh, and the Antichrist government. So that's a, a really different thing. And also, dealing with them, this is the most bizarre idea. Dealing with the wicked 
through three supernatural armies. An army that's supernatural in trumpet five. An army that's supernatural in trumpet six. And an army that's supernatural in trumpet seven. It just so happens the first two armies come out of hell. And the third army comes out of heaven. It's a really interesting storyline. You've got supernatural armies. Because anything that comes out of heaven or hell is supernatural. And there are armies coming to judge the Antichrist kingdom. That's just so interesting. And so we take a really uh, significant shift from the first four trumpets to now the final three trumpets. Okay? And because of the way that we're approaching this, there's a lot of stuff even within the text that we're going to look at tonight that I'm really just going to kind of gloss over because we'll handle those subjects in a, in a future session. Things like the three woes, hell and the abyss, the operation of the demonic realm, comparison between the two demonic armies, and the seventh trumpet altogether. So, uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet. Sorry, sixth and seventh trumpets. We're not going to cover that stuff tonight. Though we'll allude to it a little bit because we're going to be reading some of those ideas. Let's just jump in. So, the fifth trumpet. I'm going to read you part of it here. I've broken it up so that we can kind of have a conversation one uh, section at a time because, again, there's a lot of Bible verses here. All right, so uh, Revelation 9, 1 through 2. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. And when he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. So let's look at a few of these details. An angel who opens the abyss. Now we know it's an angel because this same angel shows up again in uh, Revelation 20. Yeah, Revelation 20. I think I've got the verse there somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, chapter 20, part 4 there. Uh, this same angel shows up again and now he locks up the abyss. So he's the angel. You just imagine this guy's job description in heaven. He has got the biggest, wildest looking key. And he walks around, everybody's like, who's that? Oh, that's the abyss guy. That's the angel. That's the angel with the key to the abyss. Like, I hope he doesn't ever use it. Oh, he's waiting. He's got a date and a time. He's going to open up the abyss and let stuff out. And then he's going to lock the abyss and lock stuff in. It's just a really interesting reality to even learn that such a thing exists. He opens the shaft of the abyss. And the idea is that He's opening it on planet earth. There's an actual, literal hell. We've been talking about heaven being a literal place. Hell is also a literal place with actual geography. And there's a shaft that goes from the surface of the earth down into hell. And this angel unlocks it, opens the door. That's horrific, terrifying, but real. Smoke darkens the sun and the sky that comes out of the abyss. We'll look at, that, look at that a little bit more in a moment. It's a sign in the sky. This is intended to be a, a fearful event. Hell smoke is different than earth smoke. And when hell smoke blocks out the sun, because that's what it says. It says the sun and uh, the sky were darkened by the smoke. When hell smoke blocks out the sun, that's going to just look different. I don't know how. I, I don't have all the insights on that. But it is a different substance. Then other smoke. I'll give you a, a little reference point on how unusual this smoke is. Mark 9, 47 through 48, top of page 3. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Hell has a fire that doesn't 
quench. This smoke is coming out of that place. This smoke is from that fire. That fire is supernatural. That fire never goes out in hell. It's hell fire. Like, that's what this is. And the smoke is hell smoke. So it's, it's going to be a sign. It's gonna, I am sure it smells bad. I'm sure it looks bad. I'm sure there's all sorts of bad about it. Well, let's look at one more piece of how bad this smoke is. Nine through, uh, I'm sorry, Revelation 9, 3 through 4, just the very next verse. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth, and they were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. Oh my gosh. This smoke houses locusts, but these locusts are more like a scorpion than they are a locust. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth. That's what locusts do. Or any plant or tree but only those who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. One of the questions that's come up uh, regularly in our Q&A time is, what about the saints? What about the saints? This is a really clear one. This is a very clear distinction. This judgment is for those that don't have the seal of God, which means those that do have the seal of God are standing right next to the guy that doesn't have the seal of God. So there are absolutely saints on the earth during the trumpets, and I remind you, we're at trumpet five right now. The saints are on the earth with the seal of God, not getting stung by demonic locusts, while the other guy that doesn't have the seal of God, he's got the mark of the beast, he's getting stung. The Lord knows how to make a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. It's really easy for him. All right, the nature of a locust plague. Locust plagues, like normal locust plagues, they've been happening forever, and they're devastating. And they're dangerous because the locusts, they multiply so quickly. Their, their uh, reproduction rate and just all that. It's crazy how fast they, it turns from, you know, a small swarm into millions or even billions. And the problem with that is if you got a billion locusts and all of them only take one bite of a leaf, you've just completely lost a forest, a, a city or whatever, and then they fly and get hungry. So then they go to the next forest or whatever, and they eat it. And that's if they only get one bite. These things are ravenous, man. So locust plagues are bad, but this plague, it's worse. I just know that they're locusts for a reason. They're locusts for all those details related to the devastation of a normal locust plague. Well, what about when they're on hell crack? Okay? And they are coming up out of hell smoke, and they are... These are not normal. These are very different creatures, but they're called locusts, and it's a swarm coming out of the smoke, coming out of the abyss. Sting like a scorpion. They've been given power to torment people with a similar pain as that when a scorpion stings. I don't think I've ever been stung by a scorpion, but it sounds incredibly painful, just from what I've heard. I don't like getting stung by a yellow jacket or whatever, but I hear scorpion sting is significantly worse than that kind of thing. And these are getting stung. These people are getting stung by scorpion, stinger, flying locust things from hell. Guys, this is like the most bizarre. You put the details together. It's like, okay, locust. I know what a locust is. Uh, scorpion stinger. I know what that is. How did you attach that to that? And where did it come from? They came from hell. Like, this is, these are real big problems to then lace together. God is, like, so creative in coming up with these judgments. 
I mean, because they were in there before. It's not like they all just got born. Yesterday's like, all right, angel, go down there and open the gate. They're, they're ready. They've been in hell. But there's a time and a place and a purpose that they'll be released. Couldn't you just leave them in there? No, there's a purpose for these things to be released. They're not allowed to touch the plant life. These are not normal locusts. Because I know that that verse, that phrase specifically was put in there on purpose so that we would not mistake what's happening here. That's what locusts do. These locusts are specifically told what they can do and what they can't do. And uh, incidentally, what they can't do is the only thing locusts do. Eat plants. That's all they do. And swarm to go eat more plants. And these are told, congratulations, that's not your job description. You're going to be crazy out there. I mean, outside of the box. Hey, look, let's outfit you with some stingers so you can go around and sting everybody. And don't eat anything. Just be mad about how hungry you are. They're not allowed to touch the plants. This is so interesting. These are very unique things. And restrained targets, top of page four. These demons can only strike those that don't have the seal of God. And just think about what level of like restraint that is within these locusts. Like they can't do this, but they can do that. There is a spiritual war going on here. And I believe fully that part of the way that that's all going to work is the saints are in partnership in prayer. Bind them from touching this, 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 and this. I mean, we've got the prayer manual right in front of us. We already know God's will. Isn't prayer, isn't the whole purpose of prayer is find out what God's will is, pray it so it happens, pray with it, pray it so it part, we're partnering with it? Well, we've got his will. His will is, I want the abyss opened, yikes. Two, I want a giant swarm of them to come out. Three, I don't want them to touch any of the normal stuff locusts touch. And four, I don't want them to touch you. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you don't want them to touch me because I don't want them to touch me either. We're on the same page. All right, let's look at the description of these locusts. Now, this is now Revelation, but now we're going to look at verse 7 through 11. Remember, I told you there's a bunch of verses here. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. You know, it says that the four living creatures, one of their faces is a human face. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates, like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions. So it's not just that they were able to do something that mimicked the sting of a scorpion. They actually have scorpion tails, okay? And in their tails, they had power to torment people for five months, they had as king over them the angel of the, the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, and that means destroyer. So they've got a king over them that's also coming up out of the abyss. So maybe he's like a bigger one of them, or maybe he's a different kind of demon. But some version of the other, they've got the destroyer is the name of this demon that's leading these things into battle. They're like horses prepared for battle. I'm going to go through now some of the details. I mean, this is, they're bold, they're strong, they're, they're ready, they're in marching order. You know, when you think about horses prepared for battle, you don't imagine them all out in a field running around frantically. 
Horses prepared for battle, they're lined up, they are armed, they're, you know, guarded, they're disciplined. That's the idea. Something like crowns, it's speaking of their authority. These, whatever this something like crowns on their head, it's indicating their power and their authority. You know the elders in uh, Revelation chapter 5? And they throw their crowns down. They're throwing their crowns down. It's the authority that God gave them. They're now throwing it back down in front of him. These demons also have authority. These are demons with authority, resembling human faces. When you put the details together of what their heads look like, some version of locust, some version of human, some version of women's hair, so just imagine long hair. What kind of locust has a lock of hair? Like, this is scary. I don't know. I feel like bald would be less scary. Hair is like scarier. Somehow you put hair on that thing. It's so hideous. And it grew in hell. Get a haircut, you hippie. It's got women's hair and its teeth were like lion's teeth. So it's not just a normal locust. Like it's got lion's teeth. Imagine a lion, like, you know, person its lips or whatever. You like see the, and it's like, oh my gosh. That's so bad. All right. Breastplates, like iron. What kind of bug has like iron breastplates? This is a real problem. Can you imagine now the humans that are having to do with it? This, the, those that don't have the, the mark of God. They're having to deal with this thing. It's coming and they see it. And they're like, you're not getting me. Not today, Satan. And, and they, they look at it and they get a baseball bat and they're trying to whack it. But it's got a breastplate like iron. And that bug, demon bug thing just laughs with its big lion teeth at the guy with the baseball bat. I mean, this is terrifying. Tails like scorpions. So it's coming at you. And then you just see this. And it's getting ready to strike. Guys, this is the most terrifying thing ever. And everybody that gets hit immediately screeching, agony, torment for five months. It's the sound of their wings will be terrifying. We just don't have time to touch all the details. The, the torment for five months. This is an interesting detail because it says it twice. These locusts don't get to do whatever they want and don't get to do it indefinitely. It's specific and for a specific period of time, five months. But it's a full five months. And five months is a terrifying amount of time to try to stay away from these things. Can you imagine five months of trying to avoid these things? Whatever we just faced with COVID was nothing compared to the social distancing you're going to want to have when these things come out. It's like everybody's going to be on lockdown. It's like, I am not going to the grocery store. I'll just eat the cat because we are not going out there. There are too many demon locusts that will sting us it's not worth it. Board up the walls, windows, doors, put something under the, the door. We're not going out there. Guys, five months. If it were five days, that would, be, that would be so intense. Five months. That is crazy. They're given power for five months. And the sting, the effects of it, it seems, seems to last for five months. 
or up to. Golly, and it says that the sting is agonizing and that there's a king over them. These are not normal locusts. I just want to make this really clear. There are some that I understand where all the camps are coming from related to end times and the, the natural human desire to want to make these demons that come out of smoke, that come out of hell, something other than demons that come out of hell that are locusts, you know, scorpions. I understand wanting to make that mean something else. I understand, but we can't. The details are crystal clear. And so I just gave you a few things on here. These are not, this is not a natural locust plague. There are some that try to say, well, this is a natural locust plague. They're just going to be a little bigger, a little meaner, a little bit more aggressive, you know, and if they land on you, it'll itch. I mean, it's like, no, no, this for five months, they've got demon stinger, scorpion stinger things. It's going to be really, really bad. It's, it means what it says. I gave you a bunch of reasons on there why it can't be that. There's also those, and I, I mean, I understand the desire to try to downgrade what we're reading from what it says to mean something else that we can interpret and deal with. I understand that. But it is woefully inadequate, and it is taught many places that these are helicopters. It is. These, this is a helicopter army from China, probably, or something. And it's helicopters coming, and it says that they've got faces, so they're imagining, like, the, the er look on the front of the helicopter, you know, the mouth, like, er, and, they're, and, they're, and the sound of the wings, it's the whirling of the, no, it's not. These are demons out of hell. And I just, I mean, I just want us to understand, if you have conversations with people about various parts of Book of Revelation, you'll hear these ideas, and they will say them to you like, no, duh, this is true. Like, you know, when the helicopter army comes, like, what? No. The helicopter army is SEAL 1, <laughs> SEAL 2. Like, by the time we're here at Trumpet 5, there's not helicopters. These, this is the most terrifying supernatural army that comes up out of the abyss. They're demons. Move on here to the global effects of the fifth trumpet here. I'm going to look at the manner in which that they inflict their injury and how those stings will impact their victims because based on that, we can assume some significant things related to human response. You know, when someone gets stung by anything, there are some normal human responses. Uh, sometimes some four-letter words that sneak out there too. When people get stung by stuff... People respond to the sting. Well, this is the worst sting that's ever been. These are, this is like whatever you can imagine to the greatest degree, even fathomable, plus, plus when, a, when a, an earth thing stings an earthling, an earth thing stings an earthling, it hurts, but everything was earth. These don't come from earth. They come from hell. That sting, I promise you, is worse than anything here, and it comes from a different realm. 
and it's stinging men. And that sting, it's got a five-month potency. That sting has got intensity. The agony that's caused, it says, oh, I didn't even give you uh, the rest of those verses. Let me just read them. Uh, We had tails, five months, king. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is is verse 5. And six, I want to read that to you because we didn't really touch it. They were, not only give, uh, they were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered, so just pay attention to these, these words. The agony they suffered, uh, by the way, I'm in Revelation 9 verse 5 if you're trying to find it. <clears throat> the agony that they suffered was like that of a, a sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Now, the agony they suffered was like the sting at the moment of sting, not a week after sting. You catch that? When it strikes a man. It's the agony like that. But look what it says. During those days, men will seek death, but none will find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. These scorpion stings are so bad, people want to die. Because can you imagine... A scorpion sting where the sting never decreased for five months. Can you imagine? I mean, we're all used to, if you, if you stub your toe, it really hurts for a minute. But five minutes later, it's not like it was. This isn't like that. This is the, it's like when a, a scorpion strikes a man, but it keeps on going. It's agony, agony. And it goes on and on. People are trying to check out on their own. And it eludes them. They can't die. They're trying to die. Let the reader understand. Read between the lines here. They are trying. They are attempting to make that a reality. And it's failing all over the place. They can't die. Because remember, they were told not to harm. They were not given power to kill them. But only to sting. And these people are going to try to die. And it won't work for five months. So now just open that up to think about what life's going to look like for five months. That agony, that total social disruption. Can you just imagine, like, what else matters when there's millions of demonic scorpion locusts flying around? Like all the, it's like, you know, really, it's pretty cool from this standpoint. God finally got right up in there and really disrupted the Antichrist worship system. I mean, it's going to be really hard to go find one of your idols. You know what I mean? It's like, man, all these people are supposed to be worshiping the Antichrist, but it's like, dude, I'll do that later. I got to not get stung again by one of them demonic locust things that's flying around with women's hair. Scary. It's, I mean, this is going to cause total social disruption. Everything. I mean, you're walking down the street and whoosh, you're starting to dodge. And everybody's running inside. Oh, they're coming. Look at their hair. I mean, it's like this is, this is going to cause social unrest at the very least of our problems. Again, not for the redeemed, but our human race. Violent aggression. This is going to cause so much stress. This is going to cause so much aggression. They're in agony. They are angry. They are violent. These, these people are, I mean, when they get stung, it's going to be, it's going to be real deal. It's life or death. They're actually in so much pain, they'd rather not be alive, but they can't die. Oh, that's so intense. 
And I just want to throw this in there. This is just a point that for those that kind of understand the storyline a little bit, it says for this particular judgment, those that don't have the seal of God, not it's aimed only at those who have the mark of the beast. So there's actually going to be a mini revival at the tail end of this because there's going to be a bunch of people that didn't have the mark of the beast and that did not give their lives to Jesus who were in agony for five months and they're a captive audience. What must I do to be saved, please? Anybody. I mean, there's going to be people coming to Jesus at the tail end of that thing because they're going to have gone through it and gone, whatever I got to do to not have that happen again. Really intense. They're unable to die. The hopelessness that that causes. The, the ongoing nature. Because, you know, the lost don't know their Bibles. So they're just going to, after a week, they're going to go, when does this stop? A month? Now the church is going to be proclaiming, but they're not going to be real happy with the church. Remember, that's, this is when lots of martyrdom is happening, and they're coming after the church, and they're going to find out that the church was praying, oh God, do trumpet five. And that is not going to go over well in most of the social circles. I mean, this is going to be a really intense hour. There's going to be so much hopelessness, agonizing physical pain. I, I just cannot even imagine being in so much pain for that long, just wanting to die. Oh. When I had my appendectomy, I knew better, but I felt that way for a couple of days in there. I, I, after my surgery and everything, I was in so much pain. It was agonizing. Life existence was agonizing. And I can't even imagine what people have suffered through in various conditions and circumstances. This is going to be a global reality that lots and lots of people, you want to be thinking like most people at some point... <laughs> that don't have the seal of God on their foreheads, most people at some point are going to get stung. You know, maybe not everybody, but you want to be thinking more people get it than don't. And it's going to be agonizing pain. It's going to cause such anger towards God. Now, they were already, they've already taken the mark of the beast. They've already, you know, many of them. There's already such anger against God. They've already done the whole seal six Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb and the one on the throne. They already know who the bad guy is in their mind, God. They already know who the source of this stuff is, God. There's going to be so much anger. I mean, when they're in physical, so much physical pain, man, you can touch a lot of things. But when you touch a person's body and you cause them great pain, a lot of ugly comes out. This is the climate of Trumpet 5. And it is going to be really intense. And again, I just want to throw in there, we're going to be alive on the earth. If we make it you know, to that point, the church will be alive on the earth during that hour. And part of our five months is strategizing for what's next. Part of it is figuring out how to operate as a church in that hour. Part of it is ministering as best as we can. You know, mercy deeds are never going to go away. I mean, at least in this age. And there's going to be, there's going to be efforts from Christians to give mercy deeds, help, healing power. Can you imagine the healing ministry? You just, you're just the guy with the reversal gift, okay? You just go around and laying hands on people. In Jesus' name, stinger, go, bye-bye. And you just, everybody you touch, they're, they're receiving that vibrancy and that, 
oh, they take their first breath again from the agony and the pains, and then you preach. You give them Jesus. I mean, it's going to be intense. This is going to be such a season. So uh, how does it work for those that have not taken the mark of the beast, but they've also not given their life to Jesus, and they're in the midst of all this, and they get stung, and the church goes and ministers to them, prays for them for healing, you know, uh, preaches the gospel to them, helps them in whatever way. Uh, how is that going to you know, play out what might happen in the lives of those people? I think some of them will give their life to Jesus. We also know that those that have taken the mark of the beast will refuse to repent no matter what. So even if you heal them, they won't repent. They'll get mad at you for healing them. I can figure this out on my own. I mean, there's, so there's just going to be such aggression, uh, you know, from that camp. But I think uh, this, in my opinion, this creates a very real ministry context because those that have not given their life to Jesus at this moment at uh, Trumpet 5 and they've also not taken the mark of the beast, they're in this middle ground. And remember, that number is shrinking as the tribulation goes on because at the beginning, there's a ton of people. And they're like, well, I don't want to take the mark of the beast, but I really want to be able to feed my family. Yeah, I guess I'll take the mark of the beast. But a minute before they did it, they hadn't. You know, and, that's, and, so, and then there's going to be people getting saved, and they're going to be getting out of the, the, uh, the, that camp in the middle too. And so, uh, but there's going to be times where there's going to be people that have not taken the mark of the beast and not given their life to Jesus, and they're going to uh, get stung by one of these things, and we're going to see it. And understand by the discernment of the Holy Spirit, I'm guessing, that we can minister to that one and it'll make a difference. And we pray for them. And I just would imagine many, many of them uh, will give their lives to Jesus. And remember, it's just a few judgments before this that the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Joel 2 outpouring, everybody's prophesying and operating in power. This is the moment for that. I mean, this is the time for the church to be out there marching you know, in, in, uh, in plus, it's really difficult for the bad guys to do bad things to you when they're all in total turmoil, turmoil and lockdown and disorganization. I mean, governmental systems will not be operating the right way when all the guys that are in positions are like at home in bed, mad, want to die. I mean, you know, this, this is going to cause great uh, disruption to the Antichrist government, uh, which will actually provide a window for the church to be able to operate. Plus, we can look at those crazy-looking critters with the hair and be like, not today. And because they can't touch us. I mean, that's a profound, I just, what a sense of invincibility at that moment. You know what I mean? As everybody else is getting struck. So, uh, great question. So, as people are identifying, this thing is uh, a, a pandemic of, of terrible proportions. How are, are people going to be responding in order to try to avert or deal with or, you know, lessen. Um, we already know that the subject of witchcraft will be a tremendous uh, player in the end time drama, like nothing we can imagine. I mean, what we have right now, it's not even on the radar compared to where it's going to go at the end of the age. And so I think witchcraft will be part of that. Um, I think uh, demonic covenants will probably show up in that, like deals made, you know, and, and Satan, if I serve you this way kind of stuff, will you lessen the pain? I mean, there's going to be some of that. I think there'll be some, you know, there's some people that are so shrewd 
they would go to the Christian to get the healing and then try to kill the Christian. You know, so it's like, there's going to be, I mean, it, I'm just thinking if you're a very business-minded person and have the mark of the beast and are fully demonized, you're going, well, how do I get fixed? Well, I heard this other guy got fixed because that Christian prayed for him. I'll go over there and get prayed for, I'll get better, and then I'll just kill the Christian. I mean, it's like, I think there's going to be that. I think there's going to be medication, drugs. There's going to be all sorts of things. There's going to be a lot of people, just another one of those, like, very pragmatic, lock yourself in the bunker and don't come out for six months or however long. Don't come out until the screams stop. You know, I mean, there's going to be that as a way to avoid it. I mean, there's, there's just going to be a tremendous amount of different ways. People will be the most desperate they've ever been because this, this uh, threat will be on the door, I mean, at the door, and it, it will be unavoidable and if you don't do some serious, uh, you know, navigating. And so everybody, this is going to be the consuming thought process of the planet. Because part of the thing that's terrifying about these locusts, they come out of the abyss, but they got wings. So they can go wherever they want to go. So it's not a localized problem. It's going to start in one place and then swarm around. But I mean, five months of this... I mean, even the terror of hearing the reports of what's coming. You know, they heard about what occurred over there at Ground Zero, abyss shaft opening, you know, zip codes. They heard. But then these things have been flying out from there, and it's like, oh, the reports are, it's coming this way. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be so intense. Really? Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I'm not going to repeat the question. I'm just going to start answering points of it. First, I do not in any way think that that uh, star that falls out of heaven is a demon. I think it is the angel of Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, and he throws him into the abyss. So this, this angel holds the key. So fall out of heaven, we don't want to interpret fall to mean like is a fallen angel, is like... Fall means like they're sinful. Fall just means come out of, like fall, come out of the sky down to the earth, fell. I mean, that, that's the interpretation there. Um, so uh, the next point was, so this, the shaft is opened um, and there's all these creatures that are in there. When were they created or how were they created? Is that, okay, I got, yeah. The Lord just created evil things Yeah. So a uh, couple of things. Um, Related to, um, and we're actually going to spend a session touching on a lot of these details. So I'll just give a, a quick answer on, on a couple of these things that I think will at least help a little. Um, so first thing, related to uh, these, these demons, whatever their original state was, was good and God made it. But the fall and then the rebellion of Satan caused, I made the point to say, it says that these things have faces that look like humans, and then I made the correlation, the living creatures in heaven around the throne are an angelic being, and one of their faces is a human face. So it seems very possible to me that these were some sort of an order that before they were locked in this dungeon with hellfire and smoke and da-da-da-da-da, I think that it's very possible that they were fallen angels that they were angels of a good sort at their origination point before all the distortion, just like Satan. And so that seems reasonable to me. Second point, though, the Nephilim. 
There's an interesting reality about reproduction of demonic things. And that's a very interesting idea when, it's, when it talks about in, uh, is it uh, Genesis 6? It's Genesis early. Uh, that the, the uh, angels came and they procreated with women on the earth. And they made a new race of some sort. This is like the craziest thing, but it's in your Bible. And they were referred to as the Nephilim, and they were called the heroes of old. I mean, the heroes of old gives you context that they're walking around with, like, they're real people. Like, these are real people. Okay? But then it says in response to that, okay, you know what? We're just going to push you race. We're going to flood the earth. Okay? We're going to now flood planet earth. We're going to get rid of the Nephilim and everything else. But what's interesting about that is the concept of angelic realm reproduction. I want to go back to the point of this being a locust plague and the massive reproduction of locusts. It seems reasonable to me. I don't know that this is how it goes, but it seems reasonable to me that these locusts are multiplying or start multiplying or have multiplied in hell and that they've reproduced themselves. That seems reasonable because they're locusts and that's what locusts do and that's one of the the, uh, horrific uh, components of a locust plague is their massive uh, reproductive qualities and all that stuff. Now, maybe I'm wrong on that point. I'm not like steadfast. I'm just throwing out some ideas that we have got some biblical reference to be able to point to. Those seem like uh, real ideas to me. As opposed to these being some sort of a natural locust that has a demon on it, and because the demon's on it, it grows a weird tail, and it gets crazy teeth, and it gets super angry. I don't think so. I think these are a demonic thing, just like we've got, um, we've got ranks of angels in heaven that look different, do different stuff. They're different. Some are bigger. Some, you know, some are called mighty angels. Some, I mean, there's the seven angels before. There's all, we did a whole session on the angels. Similarly, there's a rank and file within the demonic kingdom. And so these are uh, uh, some version of demonic entities and beings at their core, not just like a, a pig with a demon and it causes the pig to run off a cliff. I mean, it's not that kind of a thing. Uh, good question. All right, over here. Now, the question is, in relationship to children taking the mark of the beast and how that all works. Um, I don't know. Uh, but there really will be children that will take the mark of the beast, and there really will be consequences. And I, I think that, and the consequences are the same, so it's not like it's mysterious consequences. It's not like it's a different set of rules. But the, the uh, I think one of the most helpful ways for us to retrain our thoughts, and if, if I can just get your attention on this one last point, I think it's important to retrain our thoughts related to the mark of the beast. We want to start thinking of that as getting saved into Antichrist. Getting saved with the Antichrist spirit. Now I belong to that man. I am now part of his kingdom. His spirit has come to live in me. We want to talk about the mark of the beast as getting saved into Antichrist. Okay? So it's not a, oh, I accidentally took it. You know, it's not a, oh, my God, they chipped me. I'm stuck. I'm a, I'm a dead man. They chipped me. It is a willful decision to worship the Antichrist. And a five-year-old can willfully decide they want to give their life to Jesus. And a five-year-old can willfully decide they want to give their life to Antichrist. And what's going to be, what going to be some of the heroes is mom and dad take the mark, and the five-year-old says, no, in the name of Jesus, I won't do it. And the parents kill the kid. And they're a hero forever in heaven. And we'll all know them. <laughs> and we'll tell their stories. And it will be beautiful. 
And some of them will get out of that and wind up, you know, orphaned for a minute and then wind up with the resistance. I mean, it's going it's to be crazy. We're going to be in a crazy hour. So anyway, I just, I want us, when we think about the mark of the beast, let's stop thinking about it as like, I went to the grocery store and they said, hey, if you don't have the mark, you can't come in. This is a willful decision to give your life and soul to the anti-Christ, just like giving your life to the Christ. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's what's happening here. So I think that helps kind of make the, the storyline a little clearer, that these are not, you know, uh, uh, financial decisions that are being made. You know, there are people that turn away from God because of finances or turn to God because they need God for finances, but they, the story was not actually about money. The story was actually about where they were at in their heart related to God, and that's the storyline of the Antichrist worship movement as well. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.